Hello, hello, everybody. This is Michelle Hayward, founder of Positive Hire. And today we have another great session. This is a really um, different one that we're doing for the community. And I had the opportunity for somebody who I'm connected with on LinkedIn, and Shalaya is going to tell me who that is, because right now I'm just drawing a blank in her name, sent me this um, survey to do, which concerned Black women's health. And I'm like, hold up one minute. I need to know what's going on, what's the objective, what's the goal, because I really thought it was profound because we often don't get the opportunity to talk about our experiences, especially when it comes to, guess what, our health. So I reached out to the person who sent me the survey and she was like, it wasn't her, she said in the message, it was a friend of hers. So I was like, okay, we got to get this set up. So long story short, that's how Shalea is here tonight. And she's like me, she's a South Carolina native. So I was like, oh girl, <laughs> let, let, let's do this. Let's do this. So I'm going to introduce her in just one moment. But first, I want to give some updates. If you're on our email list, you may have seen that we have a lot of recordings, a lot of trainings that we've been doing the last few weeks as many of us have been fortunate enough to work from home, and that is not the case for a lot of people, especially Black and Brown people. Um, so with that, most of the content that have come out, that um, content or sessions we've created are directly for Black and Brown women who are scientists and engineers, or they have the opportunity to work from home. So if you go over to positivehire.co, so that's .co forward slash blog, you can get a copy of the recordings. Um, we put it over there. It's not a whole lot of blog or reading to do because the recordings are there and we're just moving really fast right now to make sure we're meeting your most immediate needs. So be sure you go to positivehire.co forward slash blog to get like the last two trainings on um, managing stress during COVID-19 and also homeschooling and working from home um, right now. Ooh, but Shalane was scheduled before COVID-19 really blew, like she was like, why y'all not locked out? The rest where I am is locked out. What is really going on? And just how slow the U.S. has been in responding to this pandemic. Okay. Also, we have coming up, um, we have available, if you uh, attended in our virtual summits, they go from free to pay. Right now they are free until May 1st. So take advantage of those on, and one of them I'm having technical issues with. So I'm um, give me a little bit of time. If you need the one on how to negotiate salary, message me directly so, uh, and I can give you an update when it comes live. Somebody left a message and I don't know who on the, right below the recording, I don't know who to reach out to to let them know when, when we get it fixed. So we're working on how to, what's the workaround for it. Um, and the last thing that I want to mention is I will be doing a virtual pitch. I'm finishing up an online accelerator. So if you're interested in learning more about what I'm doing with Positive Hire as a tech startup, it is a short three minute pitch. I just don't know where I am in the lineup of, of 10 other women found, or, or of 11 founders. So you would have to sit through about an hour at most of, of us going through pitches um, to see where I am and that'll, that'll be on Friday and I'll share that link as well. So this is why we're here. We are here to talk about why Black women's health matters. And today we have Shalay Verse who is a PhD. Um, I want her to share with us why she's studying, what she's doing with the research, what why she's doing the research, and then how we as Black women 
can help her in helping ourselves. Because the real the the same thing with me is like I need y'all to help me build this tech company in order for me to help y'all advance in your careers. And so it is no one way. And and so I wanted her to come on as a fellow South Carolina linea and, and somebody who's really working to change us as a people, as women, as a culture, how we are often sidelined and not thought of. Uh, or we are afterthought after things have been built out and created. So welcome, welcome so much. So glad to have you. I'm gonna let you get started. Tell everybody about yourself and about the work you're doing. Okay, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate you inviting me um, to speak to everyone tonight. I've been looking forward to this for some time. And uh, Michelle is right, I'm from South Carolina, but I'm currently in Connecticut. Um, where we're on lockdown and I live in New York City. So, um, you know, it's always been a dream project of mine to better understand Black women from a very intimate perspective. And I don't necessarily, when I look um, in the academic literature or just like in the public discourse on social media, uh, et cetera, I don't necessarily see a lot of uh, first person accounts about black women from the perspectives of black women. So I'm trained um, as a psychologist and um, I'm a professor of psychology here at Wesleyan University. Um, I also have a background in public health. So, you know, that intersection really grounds my interest in black women's health and mental health, which is something we don't always get a chance to talk about. So the survey that um, I'm launching is the first phase of what I hope to be a longitudinal project on Black women, exclusively um, Black women. And it's not, um, ex it's not exclusive in the sense that, um, you know, I don't think that other women of color's perspective matter, um, but I think that sometimes within, when we think about people of color or communities of color, um, sometimes we don't get an opportunity to deep dive into one particular group. So I'm very much interested in what Black women are concerned about, what they think about. And so the survey that we've launched, um, you can find it at OurStoryOurVoices.com. So we did a tiered approach. We uh, mailed surveys to a mailing list that we um, received from a market research company. Um, and uh, we also, the majority of people that we recruited were through snowball sampling, which is basically social networks, word of mouth. Um, so I've really been trying to uh, get the word out. We're just a few participants shy of reaching a thousand women. And I'd love to get as many women as possible. The survey concludes, I think around the end of April, we'll close it out. Um, and so the questions are varied and um, designed to really address women at every life stage from early adulthood to middle age to older women. And there's no criteria, um, you just have to to be a black woman. Um, there are questions about, you know, political attitudes, social uh, attitudes, as well as um, psychological indicators. Um, we would love feedback about what you think is important to include in 
subsequent iterations of this survey. Like I said, I'm hoping for it to be a longitudinal survey. So when people take the survey, we have a, a small incentive. So we'll have a raffle where um, we will randomly pick about five names. Three people will receive $100 Visa gift cards. Two people will receive $500 gift cards just for participating. And we ask them to leave their email address at the end of the survey. And what we're hoping is that we can keep in contact with people who leave their email address so that we can follow up with them. We can give them the results of this um, survey. I've been making, um, here in my office, been making um, some charts and graphs about the data um, so far, and it's just really been illuminating. Um, there's a significant portion that focuses on reproductive health because um, as we've been paying attention in the news, there's a lot of concern about Black women and reproductive health in the healthcare system. And a lot of it, it's not being um, talked about in a, in a macro way. So those are some of the things that we're interested in amplifying. So um, if you're interested, I can answer specific questions, but that's a little bit about me and um, why we're doing the survey. Sorry, some people are having an issue finding the link for the call. Okay, so let's take a step back and let's talk about Black women's health. Um, and there have been a lot of things done to us scientifically that we didn't approve of. Um, and I want to focus on that just for a minute. Historically, things that have happened to us, whether it was during slavery and even post-slavery, even until the 90s. Um, so from your initial research, what were some things that you found out that have happened to us that really made you go, okay, this doesn't, hasn't helped us. It, it doesn't help, hasn't helped us as far as get better medical treatment or, or it has helped the masses get the help they need. What have you found in your initial research? Sure. So um, I went to Tuskegee University undergrad. So that's the contact um, uh, who emailed you about the survey, Monica Ford. She and I went to Tuskegee together and she's now in Charleston. And um, so being at Tuskegee is a grounding experience because of the legacy that you learn about with the, the Tuskegee experiment. So I learned very early on um, attending school that there were certain things that people did in the name of public health or in the name of advancing medicine that targeted certain groups. And um, even though that was some years ago, you find similar patterns that are happening today. So I mentioned before reproductive health as being a black woman's um, issue that I think deserves a little more light. Um, I'm a mother of two. I, um, my daughters are eight and 11. And I had my second daughter at home. And the role of home births and um, depending on midwives and doulas um, and sort of thinking about returning to um, a natural approach is something that when I talk to friends and family members um, that people find 
a little scary. And I also find it uncertain because it's not something that we're necessarily used to or trained to think about. But I also find the alternative a little scary. Um, when people go into the hospital, they think they're going to get a certain level of care and maybe they don't receive that level of care or they're fearing for their health when they go into the hospital to give birth or even for something routine like a checkup. So I think these legacies are important lessons for us to think about um, how systems are set up in ways that invariably um, disenfranchise certain groups. And not that what I'm doing is going to change those systems, but I'm hoping to just bring light to them and um, provide a platform where Black women can explore and explain their experiences on their own terms. So for example, one of the questions on the survey is to describe what your experience with um, the reproductive yeah. health system. Like, you know, what is your typical visit like at a doctor's office? And it's open-ended so people can type in their answers. And I've gotten a, tons of, you know, different responses ranging from everything has always been great with my healthcare provider to some very um, frightening stories. And I think it's important to understand that there is a range, that there is, you know, a diversity in how we sort of experience healthcare. But when it becomes a situation where Black women in particular are disproportionately experiencing uh, negative things from interacting with their physicians or their doctors, that becomes a problem and, and it becomes something that we need to fully understand if we want to like eliminate health disparities or to um, understand Black women's health in a more holistic way. So let's take a uh, talk for a few minutes um, about one Black woman who's come forth and discuss her issues post-delivery. Um, after she delivered her daughter, and that's Serena Williams. She was very transparent in that she knew something was wrong, and the doctors ignored what she was saying. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at your survey, are you looking for those experiences that, let's say, that I directly have had or that we have seen our sisters and cousins and best friends go through as well, or is it just strictly directed at us? It's personal. So it's something that you've, you've personally experienced. That's the way the question is worded. However, because it's open-ended, you know, people can type what they want. And so a lot of people have talked about sisters or family members that have had difficulties giving birth or labor complications when they were admitted to the hospital. So there's a variety of things um, that people do respond to, which is something that, um, you know, as a researcher, I, I hold the data very close, not just because I'm a Black woman, but because I don't want to do anything that's possibly exploitive. So when people take the time to take the survey, I want to comb through all those responses and um, present them in a way that um, is accurate. So I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to do this just yet. But for all the qualitative or like the written answers that I'm asking people, um, I'll probably have those displayed in some way that um, communicate whether or not this was a personal experience or this was someone um, who, an experience from some 
person in their social network. Um, I think Serena Williams' experience is a great example because it opened a lot of people's eyes, or maybe not open people's eyes, but just sort of like gave voice to what I think a lot of women had experienced, whether it's um, issues with interacting with the healthcare system or just feeling as though they were, um, you know, ignored or not taken seriously. Um, people or women who are giving birth, for example, are often encouraged to make a birth plan, um, something that outlines, these are the things that I would like to happen during the birthing process. Um, and I've heard from lots of women that say that they make a birth plan and nothing is, is being followed in terms of their wishes. And I think that creates a divide and it feeds back into this level of distrust that I think that sometimes black women and maybe the black community at large has about going to the doctor. Um, you know, people always talk about black men not going to the doctor, but it, to some extent, the same happens with black women, um, not just with physical health, but with mental health. Um, as we're sort of all sheltering in place or staying at home, uh, it can be difficult whether or not you have children or not you're sort of like putting on multiple hats and people can get um, depressed or feel isolated particularly when you're isolated from everyone else so I think it's important that we really um, count people's experiences as mattering and that's part of the survey like to what extent is this happening to women and then sort of putting those stories out there anonymously of course but putting them out there so that people can understand um, the nuance that goes on. So I wanna switch from reproductive, I focus a lot on reproductive, to something uh, that is common, but yet not um, focused on, on how it again impacts black women differently, and that's cancer. Mm. Whether you're looking at ovarian or breast cancer, um, what in your survey are you asking around that part of health? That's a great question, Michelle. We're actually not asking anything um, about cancer. We do ask women to tell us what their single most important health issue is that's facing them. Um, so people can say whatever it is, like what is concerning. Um, and some people have mentioned cancer. I can just tell you anecdotally, because I just ran the data from the people who've already um, filled out the survey. Uh, diabetes is another big uh, issue that people are worried about. And fibroids. Um, we don't talk a lot about fibroids, but there are lots of people who have fibroids or who manage fibroids and that seems to be a big concern for people um, as well as like cancer and um, chronic diseases but we don't ask anything specifically related to cancer so that's a good point to sort of note for future research and I, and I understand you're still at the, the very beginning of the research and it may end up that that's a third fourth or fifth layer to your study and, I, and the reason I'm asking all these questions, everyone, is so you kind, you understand where she is in this study. Because if you're like me, like, hold up, I got a whole lot of questions before I sit down and fill this out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm asking these questions. These are some of the questions I've had, I have. And some questions that others in my circle have about doing this. They're like, well, well are we going to focus on this? Are we going to see this? And studies take a long time. So for us, it may be five, maybe 10 years before we see some 
actions and activities. And the other part of this is there are a lot of tech startups or health tech startups that are focused on black and brown women specifically. So there are always people and partners and experiences. And one of my friends actually from college, she, she registered for this, so I, something may have happened. And, and she had um, a baby die. And that's, that was the catalyst for her to start her health tech company. Mm. So it, it, it took, it wasn't, she was having a normal pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And she went to the doctor and, and her blood pressure was high. And so we have to admit, admit you now. And it was like, either we can call the ambulance or, or you can have your husband drive you. That's just how, and, and her baby lived for like 18 days before he died. So, so it is, there are different, different catalysts of why I'm asking certain questions. Okay. So fibroids, definitely diabetes, definitely. What I want to talk about now is preventative care. Um, and then I'm also going to go into COVID-19 because at some point it's probably going to be an added layer to what you're studying because we're seeing the numbers now coming in for Black people and, and COVID-19. Okay, so let's talk about preventative care and what you're looking for in your survey as far as preventative care when it comes to Black women. Uh, sure. So I'm asking questions about... Um, not just individual behaviors, but also um, environments that shape our behaviors. So for example, one of the questions on the survey is about how easy or how difficult it is in your neighborhood to find fresh fruits and vegetables um, because food scarcity is a concern for lots of people who live in different places. Um, and maybe that's not a big issue uh, from the data. It doesn't seem like that's a huge issue um, for the women who completed the survey. The women who completed our survey, just uh, to give you an idea of the social demographic, um, most of them are college educated or have a postgraduate degree. Um, in terms of income, most, the majority are at um, 75,000 or above. Uh, and so for them, uh, apparently it's e relatively easy to find fresh fruits and vegetables. Ironically, the thing that's most difficult is finding affordable housing. And this has struck me as so interesting because for women who are, um, you know, above the median income and uh, many of them who are at six figures and above still um, are finding affordable housing difficult. And as we know, housing is a huge issue in terms of like, or stable housing is an issue in terms of everything from where we send our kids to school to where those whole foods are located or how we can access certain um, health resources. So a lot of my work has focused on where people are in those social and physical environments because a lot of the communities that we live in, a lot of the factors um, that are a part of our communities ultimately influence how we're able to manage our health. Um, you know, things from like healthcare professionals, do you have a healthcare professional in your neighborhood? So um, some of these things may seem to be, um, 
I don't know. I've had the response that you're asking a lot of information, but I think it matters in the big scheme if we want to have a big picture of some of these challenges in terms of not just the concerns, but also what we can do to um, encourage beneficial health or have preventative health. Like what are the things that are important? Fresh fruits and vegetables, access to green spaces and parks. Um, you know, these are things that we find in higher income neighborhoods. So where are we living and are those neighborhoods conducive to a healthy lifestyle? So I totally appreciate you asking all the questions, Michelle, because I found people call <laughs> and leave messages on my, um, on my on my voicemail all the time there was this woman from alabama and she wanted to talk to me about you know what this survey was all about so you know i think this is a good opportunity for people to ask all the questions that they that they have because it really is i think a, a personal a, a very personal um piece of our lives that we're being asked to share, especially when it's for research purposes. Um, but yeah, those are some of the questions that we have about prevention. Um, I'm trying to think another question that might be relevant. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest one. Uh, we ask a lot about uh, politics as well and social type of social things that are happening, like you said, COVID. COVID-19, which we weren't experiencing during the time of the survey launch, but I definitely think it's it's relevant. I, I do I do too. So I want to let's let's talk about COVID-19. Since you ended with that, let's pick up with that. Okay. And we're seeing we know New York is hit very hard, um, LA and the Bay Area as well. The numbers coming in from like Louisiana and, and we're from South Carolina where we have like 30% of our population, 30% plus of our population being black, but yet 70% of the COVID-19 deaths being twice as much percentage wise as the actual population. So I think it was what 32% of Louisiana's population are African-American or identify as black, but 70% of the actual deaths from COVID-19 are black. When we look at that and we think about healthcare disparities, what in your survey are you looking to capture? So we know the income of the women that you that the data you collect in there are $75,000 or more. Are you asking questions about their early healthcare? Um, like when you say early adulthood, are you looking at anything prior to that? Maybe did they have access to a doctor in their teens or preteens, um, you know, whether early um, birth control, stuff like that, to get a understanding or better understanding of what their, how their body formed based on what they had available to them as children. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, no, we're not asking about um, early lifehood experiences. I mean, that would be a great question to sort of understand when people first started seeing like a gynecologist, for example, or um, going to the doctor. But um, we, we don't ask about their experiences specifically. We do ask about what are some of the factors that influence your choice of a provider? So is it like cost of copay? Is it 
um, bedside manner? Is it um, distance? So the, what are the driving factors that lead you to stick with a certain provider um, is, is one of the questions. But in terms of, I mean, we haven't yet um, aggregated the data by age, but that's something that, that we aim to do, right? So anybody over the age of 18 can take the survey, um, any black woman. So what we're hoping to do is um, stratify the entire sample according to, for example, 18 to 25 year olds, 25 to 35 year olds to sort of like segment the population by age to see if there are any particular patterns that we can suss out that are different for younger women versus older women and vice versa. Yes, I, I, I do like that part too. Um, one last question that I that I have that I, I thought of and and you brought this up as well is mental health. And what are you looking for? Because what I found as a tail end Gen Xer, I'm a Gen Xer, so I was born in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Hail to all Gen Xers, what's up? Um, we were raised for this. We were raised to be in the house and eat peanut butter and jelly. We've been prepared for this. We've been latchkey kids a long time, right? Um, but what I've noticed about millennials is they will say, I'm going to my therapist and they have, they're proud about it. And how do we, what are you looking for and asking? And I'm at my mother's house. That's why you hear a landline ringing. Um, <laughs> what are you, what are you looking for when it comes to mental health questions? I mean, what mental health questions are you asking um, within the survey? Uh, That's a good question. So we're asking um, just some general questions about life satisfaction, um, how people generally report um, like negative affect. It's interesting that you mentioned generation because in a separate study, this is this is kind of an expansion of work that I've been involved in um, for quite some time. So for my doctoral work, I was involved involved in a smaller survey of college-educated women um, who graduated from the University of Michigan, and they came of age during, um, I mean, they're now baby boomers, so they came of age during a time when it was the civil rights movement, um, the women's movement, you know, people were protesting the, the Vietnam War, so it it really sparked my um, interest in how, uh, what moment in terms of generational moment can influence uh, later life behaviors and and attitudes. So of course, um, you know, people, it was normative, especially um, at a place like Michigan for people to be um, assume like a more activist identity. And what does that mean um, in, in real terms? And a lot of women self-identified as, uh, as um, feminists, uh, even though it was a mixed um, white and black sample. So one of the questions that I, I have on the survey is how do you identify? And I think this generational question comes up again because um, people will think about themselves, even though they identify as a black woman, they might think of, of themselves in, in different ways. And so um, there's a, um, a list of identifiers, black woman, strong black woman, um, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's interesting that a lot of black women have chosen the strong black women um, identifier as how 
they describe themselves, which the literature tells us is um, characteristic, right? As, as Black women, we think of ourselves as strong, as mighty, as, um, you know, able to conquer a variety of different challenges. But that archetype can also be damaging for our health and our mental health, right? Because people think they can take it on. They can be mother, they can be daughter, they can be, you know, the one who made it in their family. And oftentimes it's who takes care of that person, right? And so the strong Black women um, stereotype is, is quite dangerous in some ways because it can assume that you don't need help, right? That you're strong and you're impervious to, to challenges or, or needing time to just reflect. So this indirectly weaves into this conversation about mental health and how do we think about ourselves um, because if we think of ourselves as strong and not needing help, then that could be a big barrier to even uh, seeking out help, whether that's informal, just talking to someone, or going to a professional and talking to someone. Um, so I think it's important, um, even though we don't always even talk to our friends and family members when we're really at the brink, or we really need a break, or we need help, there needs to be a recognition that it's okay to need a break. And maybe that break for you is not going to a therapist. Maybe it's just self-care. But either way, um, I, I, you know, this thread has been consistent just in terms of how we think of ourselves can also influence the type of behaviors that we choose to pursue. Absolutely. Um, if anybody's connected with me and follow me on LinkedIn, I literally, not LinkedIn, on, on Facebook, I literally had a post. Can y'all check on your strong friends? We are tired. Mm. I'll just run the gauntlet for a few hours so we can sleep. And it was really to say, we we get tired too. And, and, and there's some other stuff that came out from that, but and getting text messages, people wanting support. And it's like, I'm tired. So I woke up today about 1.30. <laughs> Because, because I'm doing a lot to make sure all of you are supported. But at the same time, we, we have to take breaks. Like you said, it, if it's a 10 hour, 12 hours of sleeping, that's what I do. Um, so definitely, definitely check on your strong friends because they definitely need it as much as you do now. They need it as well. And, and just listen, I absolutely agree. Um, we are going to do two things right now. I'm going to wrap this up. If do not leave. If you have questions about the survey that you do not want recorded, I will not record it. I'm going to stop in this recording. And everybody's like, wait, we're watching the recording. We got questions. You're going to get Dr. Versick's um, contact information so you can email her, her directly with your questions. So don't, don't get scared about that. But for the people that are here live, I want to give you the opportunity to ask so that you can have that banter. If you're like, Michelle, I do not want to ask this right now. Can I message you? You can message me in the app directly to me. So where you see the in the chat, where you see in blue everyone, you want to scroll or type in my name, M-I-C-H, and I should be the only one that comes up. And you can message me directly, and I will ask your question for you. And that's the same thing for anybody who's watching the replay. If you're like, I do not want to ask this question um, directly to her, can I send it to you? Yes, and I will keep it private. But 
I would prefer you send it to her if you're watching the replay so so that you can have that banter and that clarification back and forth that and you don't really want me in the middle of okay so everybody thank you for joining be sure to go to our voices is that I get this right ours ours go ahead it's our story okay. um singular and then our voices plural.com so our story our voices.com i just can't read tonight because i got the link right <laughs> so thank you so much for for joining us and sharing what you're working on everybody check out the replay reach out to the professor so she can help us help each other and help the other generations of women before us and after us who are black women looking for mental health who need help with mental health understanding the options finding us the best path here as black women when it comes to our physical health as well. Everybody, we will be back on April 21st with the session called From Industrial Engineer to Software Developer. And we have a sister south side of Chicago, been coding since she was eight years old, found out about engineering her first week in college, changed her major, became an industrial engineer, and now works in tech with software. So I want you to come join us and meet Danielle Pollard. All right, everybody, have a great night, and I'll talk to you later.